Turn to Genesis 6. We'll get to Genesis 6, un momento. Last week, we talked about the global nature of the Genesis flood, but it's not a local flood, it's a global flood. And we mentioned some lines of reasoning that confirm that the flood does indeed cover the entire globe, uh, which is not an impossible task for a God who is all-powerful. Uh, so we're not scared about that or the critics of that. Then in your homework, supposing you did it, tisk tisk, you uh, walk through some more lines of reasoning as to why we can come to the conclusion that the flood is global. How does the rainbow covenant from God confirm that the flood was global? So God gives the sign of the rainbow and says, I will never flood the earth again. So why does that tell us that the flood was global? Right, so yeah, so he promises he'll never fill the earth with water again like he did there. So if it was just a local flood, God's promise is garbage because he has violated it millions of times with local floods. That's why. So by logical deduction, we know that the flood was global because God has promised never to do that again. There have been countless local floods that have killed a whole lot of people and flooded a major regions of the world, but nothing global because God promised it would never happen again. Uh, for a brief period of time, our family lived in Boston. We live in a little beach town. Uh, right across the bay from downtown Boston. We lived two blocks off of the water. It was awesome. And for a Midwestern country bumpkin like me to see the, the ocean every day was pretty fantastic. My morning walks were on the beach. Uh, it was pretty fantastic. He likes walks on the beach and sunset. Um, I did that most mornings. And uh, we could see the ocean out of my daughter's bedroom window. We could hear it sitting on our front porch. And while we were there, there was a supermoon. You, ever, you remember the supermoons? It's just, it's really big and you know, that affects the tides. The entire coast of Massachusetts flooded that day. The whole coast of the whole state flooded far in. We were, luckily, we were two blocks in. It did not get to us, but it got to houses a block away and it simply came right in. So that would be a local flood. There was damage done. So if it's, just a local flood, God violated his covenant through the rainbow countless times. Good thing that the flood was global and that God's word can be trusted and his promises are sure and true. Today, our lesson is really simple. We're gonna take a closer look at the size of the ark, which will be fun. And I know you woke up this morning and thought, you know what I wanna talk about today? How big was that boat, because there are obviously some related issues in it. Remember, this curriculum has an apologetic slant, slant to it, to look at evidence so that we know the biblical account is accurate. Many will claim that the ark was simply too small to hold all the species of animals on the planet and dinosaurs and elephants they could never fit. There hasn't been enough time since the flood 
for different species to develop into what we know of today as the animal kingdom. So we're going to examine some scripture. We're going to look at some historical and scientific sources and arrive at a biblical understanding of these issues. And they begin to make a whole lot of sense when we look at them through a biblical lens. So again, this first issue we're going to look at, and much of it will be in your homework. There's, there's much homework, like four pages of homework for you this week. You are welcome. <laughs> there are many misconceptions about the ark, so let's make sure our thinking lines up with Scripture. When you see depictions of the ark, not including the one that's on your handout, ignore that one for now. When you see depictions of the ark, drawings of it, whatever it might be, how is it typically portrayed? What does it look like? A boat with a bow. A boat with a bow, okay, just, just a little bigger than normal maybe. Okay, it's a boat. How else? What? A saltine cracker box? Yeah, just a big box floating in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of looks like a house. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a houseboat, a little bit bigger than the ones on Lake Shelbyville, but uh, a bit of a houseboat. Yep. Yeah, Eric? With animals' heads. Animals' heads sticking out. Yeah, it almost looks like an overcrowded bathtub. That yeah, there's not enough room, so the giraffe's head has to stick out the top, and you know, the elephant's trunk has to go out the window, and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's small, and the animals are really big, and they're all just kind of crammed on there, and then you think, how in the world do they do that for a year? Uh, and and how, how, do you, how did they survive, and, and all of that. Uh, so, let, let's talk about the accuracy of those things. So you've got a, a little sheet there called Ark Facts. As we read through the text and answer some of the questions, you can record some of the information uh, on there um, for some of that chart for you. So let's go to Genesis 6. I'm just going to read a few verses, uh, verses 13 to 16. Chapter 6, starting in verse 13. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms. You shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Now this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and complete it to one cubit from the top, and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. So, let's ask a couple of questions about what we just read and begin to dissect a little bit. Who provided the construction plans for the ark? God does. Nobody's fabricating this. Noah is not sitting there with the whiteboard trying to map out how to make this work. God simply tells him to build it and the dimensions for it. Who's going to make it? Noah. Noah. Now, this is, this is a big boat. So uh, his sons are likely involved. Um, he could have hired people to help him. We have no idea how he got it done, but we know that he did get it done. It's to be made out of what kind of wood? Well, it depends on the translation you're reading. This one, it says gopher wood, uh, and we don't quite know exactly what gopher wood is considered today, so cypress, whatever it might be. 
these other kinds of things. Again, what does it refer to in that specific historical context uh, with you know, that uh, you corner of the world? Go for wood. What was to cover the ark inside and out? Pitch makes it waterproof, probably helpful for a boat to be waterproof. What are the dimensions? Three hundred by fifty by thirty. We'll talk about that in a minute, so you can write down some more accurate numbers that we understand today, because uh, we don't understand cubits, so we don't measure things in cubits. That's three hundred by fifty by thirty. Uh, what? Four fifty. Where? It's four hundred fifty feet long. That's feet, yeah, 300 cubits, 450 feet, yeah, yep. Wait, I've, I've got a footnote that says the same thing. Uh, so doors and windows in the ark, yes? There's one door, there's a window. Um, the, the ESV uses the word roof in verse 16 for window, but we know from chapter eight, verse six, that there was indeed a window, so uh, we, we know there's a window there. Uh, what other features does the text mention about this ark? Three decks. Three decks. Yeah, so again, it's not just a big open room. There's more, there's more going on there. So let's examine for a few minutes together some of the phrases in the passage to make sure we're understanding the construction uh, properly. The Hebrew word for ark is tiba. It's used here in Genesis 6 in reference to Noah's ark. It's also used in Exodus to Teba, T-E-B-A-H. T. T as in tea. Like you're drinking tea. See what I did there? Yeah, like you're putting a golf ball on a tea. I'll giggle about that the rest of the day. Teba, it's used here. It's used in Exodus 2 to talk about the little basket that Moses was placed in as he was sent floating down the Nile River. It's called an ark. So not a lot of information outside of those two instances about this word in Scripture. So all we know about an ark is that it's a kind of boat. It is floating somehow. And the dimensions obviously are going to vary pretty greatly. I doubt that Moses' ark in the Nile was as big as this one because that would have been bigger than the Nile. But it does give us a general idea about the shape. Um, in fact, some people think that the term ark refers to its purpose, not its shape, that it's a lifeboat, if you will. So it's, it saves Moses because, again, Pharaoh's orders are to throw the Hebrew babies in the Nile. Well, technically she does. She just puts them in a boat first. And he goes in the water and he is saved from all of that. Now, the, the text gives proportions of the ark in cubits. We talked was last week or the week before that a cubit is the measurement from your elbow to the tip of your finger. Average, it's 18 to 21, 22 inches, depending on your height, size of your arms. So from ancient records, from archaeological information, cubits were measured differently at different times, but there is... A, a measurement called the royal cubit. 
which is obviously the governmental standard of a cubit, which was 20.4 inches. So we'll take that one uh, as the royal cubit, the governmental standard of all of that. And here's then how long it would make, how big it would make the ark. 510 feet long. 85 feet wide. And 51 feet high. What? No, only that that is the only comprehensive standard across the board and across cultures was the royal cubit. So, so 450 could be accurate. That's 18 inches. Um, or it could be, again, it's 18 to 22. So the royal cubit's almost cutting it in the middle at 20.4. So ish, we'll just say ish. 510 feet ish. 85 feet ish, 51 feet ish. So the dimensions of the ark, well, first of all, can we just acknowledge how huge that is? This isn't a tugboat. This isn't a stuffed bathtub with giraffe head hanging out. This thing is gigantic, and we'll, we'll talk more about that here in a, in a second. Uh, the dimensions are rectangular proportions, um, and that's the only detail given to us about its shape. Uh, so many have suggested that the ark is just a rectangular box floating out in the water. Um, but you have a depiction in front of you that uh, was created by uh, engineers that were hired out by Answers in Genesis, uh, that this is a bit more likely, uh, and, and we'll, we'll talk about why that is, because different groups over the years have tested the, the strength and the seaworthiness of vessels of those proportions. And they perform these tests and they attempt to simulate the conditions that the ark may have faced during a, a year-long flood. In Genesis 7:18, we know that the ark moved about on the water, so it's not stationary, so it does float and move around somehow. And a globe-covering flood is not a tranquil event. It's not out on a lake. This is going to be major. Uh, we know from Genesis 8.1, the ark has to handle winds. Uh, God sends these winds, uh, not to mention the one that the storms would have brought in the early part of the flood. So it's not floating on a tranquil lake, but a, a windy sea with significant waves for at least a portion of the 150 days before it landed on the mountains of Ararat. Uh, so a sail at the front could have caught the wind and oriented the ark. Um, a fixed rudder called a skeg could have caught the water and stabilized their rear end. It doesn't have to be a box floating in the water. Again, the, the design that you have in front of you that, that they would argue is likely the, the right designs based on some clues out of the Genesis text. It's also based on ancient shipbuilding techniques. In fact, most recently, uh, just in the last uh, handful of years, um, archaeologists discovered uh, a way of building ships in the ancient world that had been lost for centuries. We didn't know how they were done, uh, but now we know how ancient ships were built in different ways that helps us to understand how the ark could have survived the way that it did. So many people claim the ark was too long to hold together in rough seas, so the Bible's then obviously not accurate, but is that the case? Well, in the 19th and 20th centuries, um, Ships reach a maximum of 330 feet long. 
So this is longer than any boat we have today. Ancient wooden ships were much larger than ours today, which again, we find from archaeologists who dig this stuff up and the ones that are at the bottom of, of seas and all of that, they used a special planking technique. So, and because of that, these vessels could withstand the seas. They used mortise and tendon joints, wooden pins, and held the structure together in multiple layers thick, which helped keep it waterproof. Uh, very labor-intensive technique for sure. So it's going to take a long time to build this, but he's not doing it in a weekend. Um, this is decades long of him putting this together. The task is very large, but not impossible. The whole reason to talk about these pieces of evidence is to help us to understand we don't have to look at Genesis 6 and go, oh, there's no way that could have happened. Evidence absolutely points the other direction, that this very well could have gone down exactly the way that it says in Genesis 6. So the ark is similar in shape and proportions to today what we would call cargo ships, giant. Um, and if you think about the volume that the ark would hold, uh, so you know, we live near an interstate, so we understand having to deal with semi-trailers in traffic. The volume of the ark is 500 semi-trailers. That's a lot, in case you're wondering. A lot can fit in 500 semi-trailers. Um, in fact, on your handout, there is a 53-foot semi-trailer for scale for you to see how it would compare with the dimensions of the ark. Again, the text talks about coating with pitch uh, to, to make it waterproof. Uh, the same is said of the little reed basket, the ark that Moses has placed in. They covered it in pitch so that it would be waterproof. Um, so again, gopher wood, uh, most likely cypress or cedar. Uh, so a, a good solid wood, again, it's going to have to be to withstand uh, that kind of uh, turmoil on the water. So the whole point of our time together in Genesis 6 today is just this. The ark is a truly massive vessel, fully capable of withstanding the storm, fully capable of withstanding the flood, fully capable of navigating the winds, fully capable of holding all the kinds of animals, again, categories of animals that would be on the ark, uh, including even the big ones, so that once the flood is over, and you know, 150 days of the flood, they land on the mountains, and it's a year before they're able to get off uh, the ark and walk on dry ground and reestablish human civilization on the earth through Noah and his family and their offspring. The animals then go and begin to reproduce um, was absolutely possible from what we know from the biblical record. Again, this is so that we don't read this and go, man, we're so much more enlightened today and we know there's no way that went down. That's just not true. There is no reason, even beyond our belief, our faith in the truth and trustworthiness of Scripture, beyond that, we have every piece of evidence to know exactly what God has laid out before us is exactly what happened. There is no reason to doubt that at all. Yes, sir. Or 
They do, yes, uh, which uh, just so happens to be the organization that produces this curriculum. So if you would like to go to the Ark Encounter at Answers in Genesis, uh, just on the Kentucky side of Cincinnati, just south of the city out by the airport, uh, you can see and walk through the ark based on these dimensions. And you can see how this is it would, would have worked. This is how it would have been put together. These are the joints that would have withstood uh, this kind of tumultuous uh, flood. These are the kinds of animals that have been on there. You can go see it and walk through it. How fun is that? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine now, you know, if he's looking down from heaven, looking at our power tools, he's probably angry. <laughs> I would be. But for crying out loud, you know, pneumatic tools, like I would give anything for a craftsman. Um, or Home Depot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you can imagine him turning to God and going, where was Home Depot when I was building the ark? If, if only. Um, you know, a chainsaw to cut down all the trees. I don't know. This is by hand. How super fun is that? Uh, I, could, I could have done this in a weekend. <laughs> not, not decades. Yes, sir. It's now recorded for us, so we don't know when God gave those details. Um, you're going to have to have something to eat besides an animal down below. Um, I mean, that's quite a carnivore diet for them to have. Yeah, living quarters, gardens, again, w with an ark of this massive size, all of those things are possible. Uh, so as they've restructured and, and, and recreated uh, the concept of the ark, it helps us to see with our own eyes, hey, this is legit. This could have actually gone down. If you haven't gone, uh, you should go. In fact, our students are taking a trip uh, later this year uh, to the ark encounter because they're going through this same curriculum uh, as well on Sunday nights um, at, at youth groups. So in fact, tonight they will learn this very thing. Um, which really makes it, I'm on the teaching team for the students, which makes it really easy for me uh, because I already taught it in the morning. So I'm not writing anything new. So it works out really, really well. Uh, and, and, and some of the stream are now on that teaching team. It doesn't. It doesn't give us the specific details. Um, there are some who say 70 years. There are some who go up to 120 years. Yeah, yeah it's decades. Of, of him to build this. Yes, ma'am. It's a walk through the door. Yeah, yep. It, it is definitely worth the trip. Uh, if you got kids, grandkids, take them. Uh, it's, it's utterly fascinating to see. I saw a different hand. Who, who was it? Was that you? Yeah. Oh, how long it took? Okay. Yep. <laughs> or, you know, taking an extra cloak when you're going down around the birds, you know, watch the birds gonna drop. Or, you know, a lot of There's a lot of logistical issues to figure out. Yeah, how do you make sure their birds don't poop on your head? 
uh, which, which animals are you choosing to sleep by? Because there are some that I, I don't want to be anywhere near. And I, I have two cats. They sleep at the foot of my bed uh, every night. Fine. Those are fine. There are certain animals that don't get along with that. Yeah, but there are, there are other ones. that. So, uh, which is a great question. Um, so we've hinted at this a couple of times. Did God make all the animals get along on the ark? Everything's vegetarian until after the flood. The, the, the prohibition against eating animals is only lifted after they get off the boat. Nothing eats meat while they're on the boat, including all the animals. And now man's trying to return to that. Yeah, goofy, right? Yeah, I mean... Eat, eat your broccoli and kale. Good, good for you. They're, they're healthier than the rest of us, so we're, you know, we're not going to say anything. I'm going to drop a smile on my face. Yes. Yeah, die with a smile on my face much earlier than others. <laughs> That's. Mark Lowry says, die young, make a pre-course. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think, um, I think there will be a sense when we... When we do die, whenever that day comes, ordered by the Lord, we get to eternal glory in heaven. I think there will be a part of us that goes, I could have been here 20 years ago if I just would have had more bacon. Like why, this is so fantastic. Why did I try to stay out of here for so long? Um, and, and how glorious is that to like, to have have that be true. So, you, oh, yes, sir. Sean. It's a different word for Ark of the Covenant. Yes. Yep. Different word. So, it's not a, it's not a boat. It doesn't float. And we don't know where it is. I had a conversation with, with Lisa this morning uh, about the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Where is it? Where's the tabernacle? We don't, we don't know where any of that stuff is. Contrary to Indiana Jones. He knows. It's in Ethiopia, according to him. And don't open it, because it will melt your face. Yeah, much like some of our guitar players, it will melt your face. You, uh, you don't want that to happen. Uh, so you've got some homework to do. You've got several pages that walks through, uh, again, some more of this evidence. This is, we're just scratching the surface here uh, of lines of argument and pieces of evidence that help us, again, piece together passage by passage, verse by verse, this is historical record that helps us to, to grasp all of that so we don't dismiss uh, these critical uh, chapters of the Bible. So walk through that. You're going to look at some other passages further on in Genesis 6. You're going to talk about animals uh, and all of that and answer some good questions uh, for how all of this worked. And we will talk about that at the beginning of our time together next Sunday, which means you should do your homework. One, two, three, go team. See ya.